Welcome to Enterprising, a podcast from Enterprise Bank & Trust that's empowering business leaders, one conversation at a time. We'll hear from different business leaders about how they've found success in cultivating their professional networks and keeping them healthy and strong. I'm your host, Alana Mueller, an entrepreneurial executive leader whose primary focus is to connect, inspire, and empower community. We at Enterprise Bank & Trust thank you for tuning in to another episode. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Enterprising. I'm delighted to have you here today. I want to welcome our incredibly special guest, Carlos Antequera. He is the CEO and co-founder of Novel Capital. Novel's fintech funding platform breaks down the traditional growth barriers faced by today's B2B software companies. And I am delighted to learn more about this. Carlos Antequera, welcome to Enterprising. Thank you so much. Uh, excited to be here. Thanks for uh, having me. You are welcome. I want you to start by telling our listeners a little bit more about Novel Capital and how it empowers entrepreneurs to capitalize on their momentum. We started Novel Capital a couple of years ago and that really focused around helping entrepreneurs that for one reason or another did not meet the standards that venture capital is looking for, that super high growth, or for some reason didn't have the assets or the collateral or met the tools that commercial banks have the ability to provide. And uh, we wanted to be able to leverage technology that's available now to really help those early stage entrepreneurs that may not have all the options, give them one more tool in their tool set to help them grow, which is ultimately what builds value in their companies, builds value for the entrepreneurs, and most of them are excited to do. That's so cool. I mean, it's so great that you've been able to find a way to pull in more companies into the space, whereas, you know, usually there's kind of almost like a stereotypical wall that does not allow people to overcome the barrier if, if they're not perceived as large enough. You read the articles on TechCrunch and, uh, and all the startup magazines, and it seems like everybody, you know, is a unicorn, but there are many, many good companies out there that are doing great things, that have great products, great customers that might not be that uh, proverbial unicorn. And they have, you know, missions to accomplish. They have growth that they want to uh, reach. And we think that providing them that opportunity is, is a great way to, uh, you know, diversify the economy, the communities, and bring some other products to market as well. Love, love that. That's so great. Let's talk about you for a minute. Tell me, how do you actively manage your professional network? It's a constant challenge, right? Because uh, we have the day-to-day things that we're trying to accomplish and uh, things that are pulling you one direction or another. But the couple of ways that, that kind of keep me connected to my network is I am part of uh, a great organizations. One of them that I'm uh, very active on is Kaufman Fellows, which is a, a global group of up-and-coming investors uh, and seasoned investors that uh, are trying to change the way investing happens around the world, right? And uh, uh, that's really a, a, a great uh, network, not only nationally, but internationally, in which uh, we support each other with sometimes uh, ideas, uh, best practices. And once in a while, uh, right, you're, you're kind of that, uh, that shoulder to lean on when things are not going the way you want to. And, and that's as important, I think, as kind of the hard knowledge, if you will, that you get from people. But, you know, just trying to kind of stay connected to, to those events once in a while some of those connections become more than just business partners. Uh, they become friends. And so that's another way to stay connected. It's a challenge, right? So you're trying to kind of balance family, balance personal relationships, 
work that you have to do in the business, but at the same time, you want, you want to stay connected with those networks that help you and, and then you can help as well. Well, and what you're reminding us of is that by being involved with various organizations, and in this case, Kaufman Fellows, which is a phenomenal organization, what's neat about that is exactly as you described, they're, they're not only your professional cohort, but an ear to lean on when you, know, when you need some advice or you need to just sort of vent about what's going on in your own business, but then you become friends. It's bringing together every part of your world. So I think that is just a, a perfect reminder that it's important to get involved in these kinds of things. Definitely. And I think it's uh, uh, whenever you can align kind of the, the, the values that drive you to some of those organizations and networks that you're involved that really uh, kind of gives you that that energy to to continue to be involved, right? And uh, you cannot be involved in all the things that you want to do and support everybody, but whenever you can, then that, that keeps fitting the engine. Fabulous. I want to kind of stay on this thread. What are some ways that you make connections mutually beneficial? So how do you give back and show mutual appreciation with your network, whether it's through a formal networking channel or otherwise? To me, one of those things kind of, as I was saying, aligned to the values is, is really being able to connect with the first time founders or entrepreneurs that are early in the journey and uh, being able to make myself available for when they have questions or they uh, want some tips or, or just they're going through a hard time and they want that feedback of uh, some of the things that I might have gone through. And if I can share one of or two of those stories, those are really meaningful for those folks, right? And uh, Sometimes I don't think you realize the impact that you might be having because for you might be trivial, but those 30 minutes that you might give in somebody, you might have inspired that person. It might uh, have changed the direction uh, that they take their company on and uh, you never know. So uh, one of the points I try to make is I generally say, I'll, I'll give 30 minutes uh, you know, to, to anybody that's willing to put the energy into reaching out. Now, it might not be tomorrow. Sometimes you might have to schedule it you know, a week away. But, you know, I'll, I'll make it happen. If you're putting the energy out there, um, you know, um, definitely it, it's worth me putting my energy. You know, I get as much as I put in as well, right? I don't know how many times into talking to younger founders or early entrepreneurs. It makes me think about some basic things that you tend to forget. And it, it, it maintains the empathy, right? To recognize that the entrepreneurial journey is hard. And sometimes you forget as you build your business a little bit about kind of the, the, the earlier days. And it, it's good sometimes to remember that. Okay. I, I just love what you said. I mean, I just, to me, just this notion that anybody's willing to put in the energy, you're willing to find a way to connect with them and, and, you know, 30 minutes of your time. And, and this is not about necessarily giving somebody a job or funding somebody. It's simply about listening, finding out in what ways you might be able to add value. And, and I, I agree with you. I think we always get at least as much in return. It might not be a a one-to-one sort of value exchange, but I do think that it always comes back to us. So I just love that you said that. Yeah. And, and that reminds me of a, of a story, actually, uh, another uh, great organization in Kansas City is the, you know, the Healthwork Mentorship Program. And I haven't been as involved over the last few years, but I, I was part of the program in, uh, in my earlier years of entrepreneurship. And uh, I remember one of the mentors there uh, very early, I was trying to reach him. I thought he had like a lot of experience. I really wanted to pick his brain. And he asked me, hey, I'll be happy to meet with you. Meet me for breakfast at 7.30 in the morning on this upcoming Sunday. And, uh, you know, I went, I met. It, it was a great experience. And then uh, he actually told me, I am purposeful in the time I choose to meet with entrepreneurs. I asked you to meet Sunday morning, early morning, to see how much you really wanted to meet. 
And that was kind of his filter, right? If you're not willing to put that energy to, to, to meet Sunday early morning, then it must not be that important to you. So why will I put my energy? And I thought that was uh, very clever. I always, I've always remembered that. Incredibly clever. I think that's great. I think it's great. Um, I, I want to shift gears a little bit. You know, one of the things I remember early on when I began my networking business, I remember coming into contact through a presentation that I was giving with a group of female entrepreneurs, none of whom were from the United States. And I remember feeling nervous that my approach to networking may or may not sort of be of relevance to them in, in the cultures of, from the countries that they came from. And one of the things that was super gratifying and exciting to me following that presentation is that they all understood the value of networking. And, and sure, there might be some things that, from, that needed to be acculturated a little bit differently in one country or another, but it just sort of reaffirmed for me that networking is a human activity. It is not, it is not country specific. It is not geographically based. It is something that we all need as human beings. And so with, with that in mind, I was so interested to learn that you immigrated to the United States from La Paz, Bolivia, when you were 18 years old. And so what I want to hear from you about is in what ways has this impacted the way that you build community connections and how has networking impacted your business? Definitely a, a journey from the the highlands of, of Bolivia to Kansas City. But I would say in the beginning, to be honest, I did not have a notion of networking. I didn't know what networking was. It wasn't until I started my uh, previous business, Netchemia, that uh, I actually remember one of the first meetings that I attended was uh, one by the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. It was in one of those meetings that I had the opportunity to meet a couple of people that ended up being mentors of mine. And really kind of show me the ropes a little bit about how networking was done, the importance of it, and and little by little you start kind of realizing the power of it, and also kind of best practices and and and, and expectations and, and and so on. But I think you you hit a very important point, which is at the end of the day, it's about uh, human connection, it's about relationships, it's about human interaction, and that translated to the business world, right? And those are activities that are common to all of us. So uh, yeah, there's a little bit of the adjustment of how you maybe the tactical things of how you interact with people, what people expect. Do you want uh, to get right into the business from the first meeting or is it about maybe more uh, slow pace and, and getting to know each other and, and, and maybe a little bit of the, of the personal side of things, right? In Latin America, it tends to be a little bit more slow paced to almost kind of get a sense a little bit more of, of, of who you are as a person before the jumping right into the business side of things. But, but you know, you, you adapt, I think, to all the cultures. And now with the globalization, I think folks are more and more used to different cultures and different ways of doing things. Uh, so you just always got to be ready to adapt and adjust and be ready for that real connection. So great. Well, so with that in mind, what advice would you share with someone who wants to grow or cultivate their own professional network? I think a couple of things maybe that are critical or that are important, be very open, don't be transactional. So many opportunities I found people that are looking to you as a as a prospective customer solely or, or trying to obtain something from you in a very short period of time. And they're not willing to put the energy into building the relationship, getting to know you, getting what matters to you. And as you will know, in giving freely is when you get most. If you are not willing to be patient a little bit and, and be willing to 
to do that, sometimes those, those kind of rewards or things don't come back to you. And so I would say be patient again, be aware that this ultimately it's a personal relationship. It's a human connection. And hopefully there's some business opportunities that come from that. That's so great. What I'd love to hear actually is uh, about maybe maybe a personal story. I, I'd like to know about a, an interaction with maybe one person that resulted in a breakthrough for you, either personally or professionally. Yeah, yeah I mean, there, there are so many, but one of the other groups that I'm involved with is the Pipeline Fellows, which is a regional group around the Midwest of entrepreneurs. And I think I joined that program in the class of 2008, so so many years ago. But um, you know, going through the program, obviously, uh, learned many things and got some wisdom uh, around business. But I made many friends through connections there and learning from other folks that were in different industries and being able to borrow tidbits into your own industry when it seems like, hey, you're not in software. Uh, how can you add value to what I'm doing? But just by paying attention and listening to, to things that, that, that they do, you might be able to bring some things on board. But yeah, a personal connection, one of... Uh, the good friends that I made during that journey. His name is, is Alfred Botchway, another entrepreneur in Kansas City. And over time, you know, we became good friends in a way that we could help each other out during those tough moments. But that friendship ended up taking me to, to Ghana, where he's originally from. Over time, we made friends. He was kind enough to invite me. We ended up staying at his uh, brother's house. So really enjoy kind of the family experience there. And you know, a couple of years later, I, I repaid the favor and I took him to, to, to Bolivia during Carnival. So he had to experience <laughs> that, that side of, of the culture. And uh, so, so definitely great friendships, lots of personal relationships. But, but in, in the process, I think there are many ways in which we helped each other, giving our, ourselves advice on the business side and uh, having the, the backing of that personal relationship. You know, this is coming from a, from a good place and you can kind of trust the feedback of that person. Oh, that's a great story. And I love that you got some international travel out of the deal. That's a great opportunity. Yeah. I, I had the I had the chance to dance salsa in Accra, which I didn't even know it was it was possible. So cool. So cool. I want to go back. You you talked earlier about your prior business, Netchemia. And I know that you were the co-founder and CEO of the, the company, which provides a talent management platform. And I know that Netchemia serves more than 3,500 school districts across the country and was recognized as a leading technology company in the K-12 education space. My understanding is that you successfully sold Netchemia in 2015. Did networking factor into the way that you grew the business in the first place? And what role did it play in the company's ultimate sale? Definitely, right? In so many aspects from getting involved with customers and customers that uh, are able to bring you into their own circles. Uh, Netchemia sold uh, its talent management platform to school districts. And uh, the, the education space, in particular in K-12, is very relationship-driven, right? There's a lot of trust. Superintendents know each other. If they're in a particular city, they're going to know their peers. And if you don't do a good job for one of them, the other ones are going to find out relatively quickly. And so they are part of many organizations and associations. So networking within those circles was, was critical. Getting the help of your good customers to help you network was very important to help us grow and scale and spread the word about our good products. So at, at every stage, I think, of the growth of the company, uh, networking was, was critical, right? Even including up to the sale of the company, because one data point that I can give you is the, the private equity firm that ended up buying Netchemia as they were doing the due diligence 
I didn't realize is they they knew some people that I knew from the Pipeline Fellowship here in Kansas City, even though they were based in Austin and the other person was in Canada, right? And so that's how small the world is and kind of the connection. So they were able to kind of cross check us by connecting to that person. And I didn't know it until later, but that's how powerful networking and connections are. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. As we start to wrap up, I, I just have a couple of fun questions for you. I'd love to love to hear. So one question is if you could meet with one person for a networking interaction, who would it be and why? And I don't care if they're living, not living, fictional, non-fictional, who would be your dream networking date? Wow, that's a tough one. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I would cheat a little bit and I'll, I'll pick a couple. I think one, I mean, on the, on the business side, uh, I think like Bill Gates, right? And I'm kind of dating myself, but I, I grew up in the, in the era of Bill Gates building Microsoft. And I think, you know, the, the staying power that, that that company has shown, even after he's left his community involvement through his foundation, he's just a person with so many dimensions that, you know, if, if I would like to have kind of the, the business success, the, uh, the success with the things that he's doing for good for the world, that those would be things that I would love to kind of pick his brain. I don't know how, how fun he would be outside of that, but <laughs> that, that part definitely. Then I think President Obama, I, I think, uh, again, having a leader of a country that is one of the most powerful countries in the world and having kind of the decisions and the leadership you have to show, uh, it would just be incredible to spend some time with, with somebody like him and, and get a little bit of wisdom of his life. Well, both fabulous choices. So I really, I really like those. How about this question? What's currently on your nightstand? Well, I've, I've moved to, to to Audible lately, right? So, <laughs> so no more books. <laughs> exactly. So my, my phone is is loaded with that. I have probably like ten books on on queue. But one of the ones that that I'm reading, I'm excited about, is called I'm getting the title right. That's Super Founders, and it's about characteristics that the venture world that a particular VC has studied the data around what makes successful founders, what makes successful unicorns in particular, and, and slice and dice the data into trying to kind of get to those nuggets of what really makes a difference and what is qualitatively seems like it would be important, but it really statistically does not make a difference. So, so that's been very, uh, very interesting to kind of hear those tidbits because you get caught into these mental models of what's important and not and get into the data and the stories behind it has been interesting. Great recommendation. I love that. Well, Carlos Antiquera, thank you so much for joining us. Where can our listeners go to learn more about you and your company? Yeah, thank you, Alana. They can go to novelcapital.com. You know, we'd love to uh, help more founders and entrepreneurs that are building their software companies with capital and any additional help that we can provide. So they, they can go to our website. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for, uh, for having me today. It was wonderful to visit with you. I look forward to learning more. Thanks for joining us this week on Enterprising. Be sure to visit our website, enterprisebank.com slash podcast to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. If you found value in today's program, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or telling a friend about us. Enterprising, powering business leaders, one conversation at a time. The views expressed by enterprising presenters or guests are those of the presenter or guest and not necessarily of Enterprise Bank and Trust or its affiliates. All content of this podcast and any related materials are for informational purposes only.
Enterprise Bank & Trust does not make any warranty, express or implied, including warranties of merchantability and fitness for a particular purpose, and specifically disclaims any legal liability or responsibility for the accuracy, completeness, or usefulness of any information presented. Enterprise Bank & Trust is not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided in this podcast. All statements and opinions are subject to change without notice.